Welcome to Well That Was Weird, the podcast, Serial Saturday edition, where each week we discuss a different killer and give our opinions on their heinous crimes. My name is Isaiah. And I'm Chance, and this week we are talking about uh, Robert Willie Picton. The pig farm killer. Yeah, the pig farm killer. Um, you know, the only reason I kind of even knew about about this guy was that episode on Criminal Minds. Oh, did they talk about him on there? Show Criminal Minds. They did a whole episode of it. I mean, of course, it wasn't. I don't even think that you know the names were all changed. Yeah, and, yeah, and all of that. Um, of course, there's been a there's been you know numerous books written about it, and also um, I think there's even been a movie. Yeah, yeah. It says there was a, a movie. There, the film was released uh, under the title "Unclaimed" or "On the Farm." in certain markets. <laughs> no, he uh I mean, we talked about this earlier but oh Willie Picton actually wrote uh his autobiography uh in his own words in prison uh then somehow it was smuggled out of prison and they put it on Amazon for sale and it was published uh but it was quickly taken down because people you know because of the outrage by the public I guess when people caught wind of it. Yeah. Um now uh, Robert Picton. I, I, I'm gonna call him Robert Picton because I just I'm gonna have a hard time calling him <laughs> Willie Picton. When you call somebody like we've talked about this before, when you call him by like a, a nickname, it almost like I don't know, it kind of takes away from it, I guess. Which may it, yeah, is almost a good thing, I guess, because you don't want to like glorify him. But talking about a serial killer named Willie, just <laughs> it just yeah, it just doesn't. I just, my mind goes to Willie Nelson or Willie the janitor, you know, like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm thinking. And, you know, we were talking about, uh, well, Samuel Little, the choke and stroke. Yeah. Killer. You know, you just, you can't say that so many times without kind of diminishing the gravity of the acts that these people committed. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to refer to him as Robert Picton. Uh, I mean, that name sounds like somebody who'd live on a pig farm. Well, if you look at him, if you look at any of the pictures of him, mm-hmm. um, he definitely looks like a pig farmer. And I'm not like, I'm trying to be mean, yeah. but he also resembles Freak Show from Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, if you've ever seen that. Um, <laughs> so he just screams like potential serial killer or uh, something sketchy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um now, uh, you know, as far as why we're talking about uh, Robert Picton anyway, is he's actually convicted of of actually only six murders. Yeah, um, convicted for for them, but he's been accused and uh, confessed to forty nine. Yeah, and that's. So he has a- pretty hefty kill count well that's a huge factor in this story specifically because of his profession uh, yes because uh if you're if you have any idea of how pigs function uh they're dirty and they eat everything so yep. evidence on the farm um and we'll get into it more uh but i think you know like he they found obvious evidence of murder but then they also find a ton of like personal effects from people that had gone missing. 
Um, mm-hmm. But they never found the bodies. And it's yes. potential. I mean, like, you know, the, the whole thing is that he probably, once he like hacked these people up, did whatever he wanted with the body, fed them to the pigs and then the pigs ate mm-hmm. everything. I mean, they, they eat bones, you know, in anything. Yeah. So, and plus he's isolated on a Canadian farm. He yep. could feed them to pigs. He could burn what he, you know, like hair, I guess. If they don't eat hair, I don't know. But uh, so it, it, it's kind of hard to narrow that down, you know, and I, I think he only got caught because he was sloppy. Uh, yeah. Well, that's he, he even says that. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, yeah. He actually said that, um, which how Picton, how he was even um, confessed to 49 murders was after he was. Um, already arrested, and during the first day of the trial of the jury evidence for these six women, yeah, um, Picton was talking to what he didn't what he didn't know, but was an undercover agent <clears throat> who was posing as his cellmate. And Picton was telling them that he actually had wanted to kill one other woman to make it an even fifty, but the only reason why he was caught is because he was sloppy. Those yeah, were his, like, his words. Yeah. So, and I mean, if you're convicted of six. Might as well confess to the other, you know, 40 some. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, you know, I know Canada always has this weird reputation of everybody being super friendly, but this guy <laughs> obviously didn't. He killed like 49 people and fed them to his pigs. Legions <laughs> <laughs> from up country, you know? Yeah. Uh, so the farm. Um, it was owned by, by Robert Picton and his brother, David in, uh, port. I can't even say the name of this, but it's British Columbia, east of Vancouver, 17 miles east of Vancouver. Um, which a worker for the farm actually described the farm as a creepy looking place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've seen, um, some like overhead aerial shots of the farm and it looks bad. Like it's. It's just a, um, it almost looks like a junkyard because he had, yeah. like, he had like dilapidated cars out there and then like pigs running around. Like he worked out of a, just a, uh, what is it? Like a sheet metal barn basically. Yeah. Where he did like yeah. his actual farming, you know, like it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pretty farm. He, not like some modern day thing. He, he didn't have a whole lot of money, I don't think, or, if he did, no. he didn't use it to, for upkeep. That's for sure. You know, one of the real interesting parts about all of this is that as the farm kind of started to go downhill, uh, the brothers actually registered the farm as a nonprofit charity organization called the Piggy <laughs> Palace Good Times <laughs> Society. That sounds like a strip club in West Virginia. Well, it kind of was. <laughs> 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 I love the dig at West Virginia there. That was great. <laughs> Come on down to the Piggy Palace Good Time Society. Um, they did this in 1996. And what they would do is organize, coordinate, manage, and operate special events, functions, dances, shows, and exhibitions on behalf of service organizations, sports organizations, and other worthy groups. That was their official, like, what this nonprofit did. Yeah. But... Its events included raves, <laughs> um, wild orgy parties featuring tons of Vancouver prostitutes and sex workers. Hell yeah. 
um, and gatherings in a converted slaughterhouse on the farm. <laughs> and these events attracted as many two thousand people, as many as two thousand people, and members of the Hell's Angels were known to frequent the farm. Yeah, I, I believe they referred to this as the Canadian Burning Man. <laughs> Because the quality's about the same, really. <laughs> Suck it, hippies. <laughs> um, so, you know, and the interesting part about all of this is that his kind of f- first major, I don't know, brush with the law was in 97 when he was charged with the attempted murder of a prostitute. Um, who he stabbed several times during an altercation at the farm. Um, He had handcuffed her, but she had escaped after being stabbed multiple times. Uh, She told him that she disarmed him and stabbed him with his own weapon. So she disarmed him and stabbed him. Yeah, hell yeah. So he went to the hospital to get treatment. And (laughs) this woman obviously was at a hospital as well. He was released on a $2,000 bail. Just and the charge was dismissed in January of 1998. Wow. Uh, but uh, the Pictons, Robert William and his brother David, uh, were actually sued by that by this this area's officials for violating zoning ordinances um, because their farm was zoned for agriculture, but they had altered the place to hold concerts and dances and stuff like that. So yeah. it wasn't zoned for that. So they were being sued. By the local government, basically. Yeah, because they were—I mean, like they were—they were isolated on this farm. He's trying to bring in extra money, do these different things. Uh, obviously, he—he he thinks no one's going to know about it. You know, like like why yeah. would the police come out there? But correct me if I'm wrong. Most of his victims were like prostitutes or like yes. sex workers, because he wasn't. I know he was described as a like a nice guy. Um, for the most part, to other people. But outside, like, family or people that he worked for, I don't think he was very social at all. Uh, yeah. Kind of like Ed Gein. Um, yes. He didn't really go out a whole lot. He was mostly on the farm. or And I, I think he did have a girlfriend uh, for some time, but it was a weird, they had a very weird relationship. He kind of kept her at a distance. Yeah. Um, you know, as we've seen already in, in this whole series, the mother plays a huge part in this guy. Yeah. Like his kind of w- weirder upbringing and all of that. I mean, his father wasn't really involved in raising uh, him and his brother, but um, his mother, Louise, was kind of described as eccentric but tough on the kids. Yeah. She was like a workaholic, basically. And she expected the kids to put in like long hours taking care of all of these pigs on their pig farm. Yeah, she was just a, a like an old school tough farming lady, you know. <laughs> like, yes. Get up early, work all day, get up, do it again. You know, rinse and repeat. Like, there's not, there's no time for for outside distractions on the on the farm. Basically, apparently, I mean, this, you know, where I've where I found some of this info is somebody wrote a. Uh, 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 an article for the Toronto Star um, about um, uh, about Robert Pickton and his mother specifically, mm-hmm. and he kind of describes where when Robert would want to hide from someone like his mother, like she was going to come come after him or make him do work, he would actually 
crawl into the gutted carcasses of large hogs to hide from her. <laughs> That's messed up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's kind of really interesting. Um, he was also kind of traumatized because his parents slaughtered a pet calf that he had raised himself. Yeah. And he never got over it. And See, that's that's kind of a tough thing to fully understand, I guess, because it's like, yes, if you're living on a farm and you're living that lifestyle, like that's yeah. probably going to be a regular thing. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming maybe it's a good idea to not have your children watch it, but maybe explain it to them. But obviously his parents were just like, nope, living on a farm. This is what happens, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, um, even like a personal story, my dad went through the same thing because like living in Kentucky, you know, in the sixties, yeah. uh, my grandparents raised some animals like pigs. Uh, and I remember he specifically told me, he's like, yeah, I had this pig that I was pretty fond of. He was cool. And, uh, we slaughtered him. <laughs> oh, like, oh yeah. He was like, yeah, that didn't, wasn't cool with that, but <laughs> God. like, it was just something that happened, you know, like, yeah. Um, I do think it's, it's worth pointing out, you know, he wasn't really a, a smart man. You know, sometimes we see some serial killers like Ed Kemper who register basically as a genius. This guy was not, nope. um, he basically spent his entire school career in special education classes because he just wasn't he wasn't cutting it in regular classes um which he actually left high school like midway through yeah he didn't he didn't finish high school um he also didn't date anyone um mainly because his personal hygiene was kind of a a big issue in school and afterwards well yeah he he smelled like a pig farm like he just smelled well, yeah. like manure and, and and animal crap it time. says that people that knew him said that he always stank of manure, dead animals, and dirt, and his clothes were never clean. Yeah. Um, which he he actually says too that he had a I quote visceral fear of showers. <laughs> I wonder why. Because his mother always insisted he take baths, so he would only take baths. Oh. But not showers. So it's not necessarily like water that Just he's afraid bathing of. Bathing in general. Yeah. yeah. Well, his his parents passed away in the seventies and then that's, that's when he and his siblings inherited the farm. So I'm assuming that's, that's, you know, they came into some money uh, because they started to sell off parts of the the land actually to housing developments and shopping centers that were kind of moving in. Um, But even then selling off the land, it was, the land was big enough where he could still remain isolated and for his own liking, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then that's, we, we already kind of talked about, but he eventually, like he and the siblings kind of neglected the farm. They weren't really fully mm-hmm. doing the pig thing a hundred percent. And that's when they started converting the farm over into the piggy palace uh, mm-hmm. to make more money. Cause I guess he just didn't want to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and kind of interesting little story from this same article from the uh, Toronto star is they kind of describe an incident um, in uh, in 1967 um, with uh, Robert's older brother Dave, I guess. Is it is it his older brother? I guess. I think so. Yeah, he was a couple years older. Yeah, um, his older brother Dave. Yo, younger brother Dave. Oh, 
So Robert was older. Gotcha. Um, his younger brother Dave was actually learning how to drive. So around he was age sixteen at the time. Um, he had recently got his driver's license. He was driving their farm truck, of course. Um, uh, kind of along a farm road with a big ditch, you know, big like bar ditch on on each side. Yeah. And one of the other neighborhood kids that lived on a neighboring farm was a 14-year-old uh, boy named Tim Barrett. And they don't really know how, but uh, Dave ran into him and ran him over. Jeez. Was it at um, night? I mean, does it, do they know if it was at night or if it was just... Like... Uh, it says it was about 7.40, but I don't know what 7... I don't know 7.40 in the morning, 7.40 at night. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, it says right here that uh, Dave knew that he was badly hurt, and he actually went home to tell his mother what had happened, Louise Picton. That's uh, Dave and Robert's mother. Um, so she dropped what she was doing and ran over to the place where the injured boy was. Um, so I don't know. I guess it might have just been just outside their their farm, or I don't really know. Yeah. Or if she rode with him in the truck to where she was. But... Um, According to this, after she looked over the boy who was hit by the truck, uh, she then leaned down and rolled him and shoved him to the edge of the ditch that ran along the road and pushed him in. And mind you, this ditch is full of water. And then she just turned and went home. She just, she bounced. She was done. So like this dude was hurt and he he probably would have survived. You know, if he had been given medical attention, I mean, what's what's got to be going through your head when you see somebody who's obviously in trouble, and you're like, "Nah, I'm not going to help you, but I am going to go through the effort of pushing you into the ditch." Yeah, that's what's so wild to me about this. So, I mean, it just kind of makes you wonder. I guess, you know, did I don't know? I mean. Did this somehow play a role in Robert Picton being the way he was? Probably. I mean, I'm 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 curious if when she came home, and yeah. I'm sure his brother was like, uh, "Is everything okay?" Like, was she just like, "Yep," yeah. or did she acknowledge it at all? Uh, because it, I haven't seen anything, but did any anything come out of that? Yeah. Um, like, like well, I, was, I was reading further, further along. Um, Dave was actually, you know, he was investigated kind of later on. Um, he was sent to juvenile court, um, but there's really very few details. And that's all they really know. Uh, Luis was never actually charged. Um, so, yeah. Um, and how they how the story kind of got out was that Robert told the story to one of his closest friends and this friend told this reporter um, from the Toronto star, this, the story about the mother. Yeah. So that's the only reason we even know about it now. Um, but apparently also um, Robert's father, Leonard, you know, b- despite being pretty much uninvolved, he also, he did abuse the kids, like beat them and stuff like that. Yeah. I was waiting for that. I figured that probably. Happened. Yeah. Yeah, um, but of course, you know, it was Luis, the mother, who was the main influence for, for Robert and, and in his life and and everything. Um, we don't really know much else beyond that. Um, but when did, 
when was his first um kill when so let's see 2001 yeah it was because his time as a murderer wasn't very long um because there was the attempted murder um now it says over the course of three years uh i'm assuming this is uh like a um one of the uh god i'm losing train of thought one of the police i think his cox hmm. noticed that women who visited the farm were going missing so, oh that like, was that guy who worked at the farm yeah, yeah 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 so like during different raves and then you know he's having mm-hmm. these parties but he's also like in between these things while he didn't really date he was mostly driving to like several towns over uh mm-hmm. to like find sex workers bring them back to the farm and then you know killing them um but the worker his cox noticed that women were going missing uh yeah now this is kind of diving ahead but on february 6th of 2002 police executed a search warrant for illegal firearms ah and then robert and david were both arrested and they obtained a second warrant using what they had seen on the property to search the farm as part of a missing women investigation. So they had, Mm. and I think what happened is when they found some of the firearms, they actually found like women's purses and like certain things, like like some shoes. And they're like, "Mm, this guy doesn't, you know, like that's not his. And I think they, they just straight up asked him like, do you, is there anyone else living here? And he said, no. Um, So they, they got the second warrant personal items belonging to missing women were found. And they were yeah. still, it was sealed off uh, by members uh, of the joint RCMP, Vancouver Police Department. Following day, Picton was then charged with weapons uh, offenses. They were released. Oh. They got released from jail, but Robert was kept under police investigation. Okay. Now, February 22nd, a couple weeks later, he was arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder in the deaths of Serena Abbotsway and Mona Wilson. Yeah. And on okay. April 2nd, three more charges were added uh, to oh. Jacqueline McDonald, Diane Rock, and Heather Bottomley. A sixth charge for Andrea Jonesbury was laid on April 9th, following a short by uh, seventh victim, Brenda Wolf. Twin, I would say September 20th, so he's still in jail. Uh, four, yeah. four more charges were added. Um, they just keep finding more and more evidence, basically. Uh, then an additional four. Uh, bringing the total to 15. This was the largest investigation of any serial killer in, in Canadian history. And in 2005, 12 more charges were laid against Picton for the killings of several more women, uh, which brought the total number of charges to 27. Jesus. They conducted excavations of the farm through 2003. Yeah. And the cost of these investigations was estimated around $70 million by the end of the year. Well, yeah, because they had to, like, dig up tons of stuff, didn't they? They had to get out, yeah. like, conveyor belts and, like, sort through the dirt. and. Yeah, and it could be because they have to clear out the animals. They've got to bring in, like, excavators to actually dig. And then you have to have people sort through all of this to see if there's yeah. any, like, DNA, uh, if you're finding any bones. Um, in 2015, the property is completely fenced off. 
Uh, it's under a lien mm. by the Crown in right of British Columbia. All the buildings on the property, mm. except for a small barn, have all been demolished, but it's still it's all still fenced off. Um, wow. Forensic analysis proved difficult because the bodies may have been left to decompose and eaten by insects and pigs. Yeah. During, during the early days of the excavations, forensic anthropologists brought in heavy equipment, including two 50-foot conveyor belts, soil yeah. sifters. And in 2004, the government revealed that Picton may have ground up human flesh and mixed it with pork that he was selling to the public. God. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine being somebody that bought stuff like that? Yeah. Well, they, they issued a warning to the public, but obviously much later, like a year or two later after he was convicted. Um, yeah. And then they tried to kind of go back on it. And they're like, well, he mostly fed the bodies to pigs. So it's not like, wow. I, I think to kind of calm the public unrest. Um, yeah. As far as his murders, though, it. Well, we I mean, don't really I, know how he murdered them. Well, it was a, a lot of it was pretty straightforward. He would bring women back to the farm. He would drive miles and miles away. Yeah. Find, find these sex workers, um, bring them back to the farm. And I think a couple of them he'd actually like brought back a couple like different times, like multiple times. Uh, to make it seem like he wasn't, you know, a bad guy, get trustworthy or whatever, bring them back. And then he, I, his main method of kill, he would stab them, uh, stab mm -hmm. them multiple times. I think he strangled a few of them um, well, and then immediately I, would just hack the bodies, you know? Yeah, I was kind of looking through here at some of the stuff that was released to the press because they... Uh, Canada had a, a media ban on all of this. They didn't want the media releasing a lot of the details kind of before the trial yeah. started. Um, so uh, when the media ban was lifted, uh, they finally got some, we finally got some details about what the, what they actually found during the investigation, which was skulls that were cut in half with hands and feet stuffed inside the skulls. Yeah. The remains of one victim was found stuffed in a garbage bag, and the her bloodstained clothing was found in Picton's trailer. Part of a victim's jaw, another victim's jawbone and teeth were found beside Picton's slaughterhouse. And here's the real kicker: was a 22 caliber revolver with an attached dildo to the end of it, <laughs> like a silencer. Yes, that's what he used it for. <laughs> he he used the dildo as a makeshift silencer. Oh my God! Does it work? I um, apparently. <laughs> I mean, uh, he also had night vision goggles, two pairs of fur-lined handcuffs, and a syringe filled with blue liquid, known at with with some unknown blue liquid and some Spanish fly aphrodisiac to help him keep his dick up, basically. Jesus. This apparently, it was windshield washer fluid. Oh. He he said uh, during uh, during a time where he was talking to somebody, he actually said that a good way to kill heroin addicts was to let them inject themselves with windshield washer fluid. Jeez, I mean, that, yeah, that would kill somebody. Um, he says, uh, uh, Picton describes the how he would kill prostitutes and sex workers as he would handcuff them, strangle them. And then do what he would normally do with pigs, bleed them and gutting them before feeding them to the pigs. 
Oh man. Um, yeah. So it, they were the police in these investigations were actually, they, it took them a long time to take it serious Yeah. Um, because all of the women from multiple different cities were but like, they were all the same class. They were poor, homeless, yep. addicted to drugs, sex workers, like no one, no one in the community made a fuss about it. Uh, the it's only like when we talked about Samuel little. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was just kind of people were turning an eye to it because they didn't care. Uh, yeah. the only difference between two were that more black women went missing in, in, uh, I guess he went Seattle area and then more native American women went in the Vancouver area. Yeah. Um, that remains of many of the missing Seattle women resurfaced in garbage, wild areas around the airport beside freeways and then most infamously along banks of the Green River. And in Vancouver, mm -hmm. if the vanished woman did not return uh, or show up in another city, they didn't return at all. So, that, I mean, that's where he probably like fed people to pigs. Um, law enforcement officers in SeaTac and Seattle had to take the crime seriously because bodies mm -hmm. were actually turning up. He was dumping corpses and like pieces of them and had to mm -hmm. be examined and explained because the community was starting to find out. Um, but Vancouver police had next to nothing. They had no bodies, no physical evidence, no autopsies to perform. They were just getting these reports of missing people and they had nothing to go off of. Uh, it, it says here that, you know, lack of bodies coupled with police departments, prejudice sure. and attempt for or contempt for pimps, drug dealers, addicts, sex workers make up a third of the DES 15,000 residents open space in which the killer operated with almost no interference from the law. Green River killer, um, by contrast, didn't have it so easy because he had to be cunning and always one step ahead of the law as he mocked yep. investigators, you know, and public leaving more and more corpses to be discovered. So yeah, Picton was um, kind of, like you said, like he even said himself, he's, he was getting sloppy. Like he was dumping parts, but, yeah. Other times he's feeding it to his pigs, getting rid of the evidence. It, he, I don't think he knew what to do. I think he was just doing this all of impulse. Yeah, I think so. I mean, well, you know, he does, he did say during that interview, I, I mentioned earlier when he talked to that undercover cop in his cell where he was describing the 49 and he said he wanted to do one more to make it an even 50. He also in that same interview said that he was going to take a break after 50 and then do another 25. Yeah. So this guy definitely wasn't like insane. He knew what he was doing. You know, I don't think this guy was insane at all. No, he 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 knew what he was doing. I think he he knew that he wanted to kill. He I just don't think yeah. he was he knew how to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, he I I just don't think he was quite I don't know, smart enough. I guess. Yeah, that's. I think to once he deal with it, I think he had an impulse to kill. He just didn't know how to act on it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say that's that's pretty much you know right about Robert Picton. An impulse to kill. He just didn't really know how to handle it. Yeah. That's... You know what, what to do with it, and all that. Um. Yeah, I I think he's he's a pretty interesting case. I mean, there's a lot of info on the whole legal side of it, like his defense appeal and the decisions of the court and all of that. There's a lot to it. 
and a lot to the trial. Um, which, I mean, if you want to read it, there's plenty of info out there yeah. about all of this. Um, I just kind of wanted to cover just the general uh, stuff of, of all this. I mean, I'm not going to go through the giant list of victims that he claims and and all of that. Um, but interestingly, though, um, a lot of the victims that he was, that well, he wasn't officially charged with, but the ones that were, that he was charged with, but they were, um, put on a stay basically. Yeah. Cause he was charged with 20, um, which the other 20 or he, he was charged with what? 26 counts, I think, or something like that. Uh, I think it was, they uh, got him for 27 and then eventually he was only charged with six, but then yeah, well, I mean, a lot of the counts weren't actually fully hashed out because the six was enough to put him away like forever. <laughs> I um, found a, uh, I found a quote. Um, they, they talked to a bartender at, uh, in, in the DES area where, uh, picked and picked up a lot of women. Yeah. They, I guess they had, you know, doing these investigations later on, they talked to a bartender after he had been like publicly charged with being a serial killer. Hmm. And they said, what kind of person was picked in? And the bartender said he was a wannabe. Uh, he wanted to be a biker, like a hell's angels, a mean leather guy. But everyone knew he was a weasel and a wannabe. Uh, he, the bartender claimed he wasn't surprised when he heard v- Picton was a serial killer and said, quote, I mean, you can't imagine hanging out with a guy like that without something bad happening. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely see it. Um, I do think it's, it's interesting to note, you know, we've, we've said a, a lot of this stuff kind of came to light around, you know, the year 2000, 2001-ish. Yeah. You know, when a lot of this stuff kind of really came to light. But um, if you look through the list of victims, like there's one that he is implicated in the murder of, but haven't been charged with because they don't have any, you know, actual uh, evidence. But it's somebody who was who went missing in ni- as early as 1991. Oh, so he had been killing people for a long time. I mean, there's looking at the list. There's some that were last seen in 95, last seen in 96, and but obviously we don't know for sure. But I I do think it's interesting to point that out. That I mean which they actually think according to some of his own confessions that he started killing as early as 1983. Jesus. But well, they, we don't hundred percent know. They had interviewed multiple prostitutes after the fact. Um, and even I guess when they had started missing, the police kind of dove into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing that was hard for them is that the one of the only leads, because you know, like we mentioned earlier, there wasn't a whole lot of evidence at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kind of went down the wrong rabbit hole because they thought that a lot of the women could have been murdered on boats, um, mm-hmm. because there was like a you know c- close to the the water there was like a trading or a, a fishing business. So, and many of the prostitutes that they had interviewed openly said like, oh yeah, we get invited onto boats all the time. And then they just have sex with fishermen and Mm. come back or whatever. So they, they were kind of thinking like, well, these missing women probably invited to the boats. 
they get murdered and they're just dumped at sea and then no one's going to find them. So that was one of the only leads at the, at the time that they had. And he was like, uh, not much to really go off of. So they weren't really yeah. looking in the right area. You know, they were, no, they didn't think people were being ground up and fed to pigs. basically. <laughs> yeah. 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 Until they started yeah. finding body parts and they're like, well, something's going on. Yeah. No, that's pretty much what happened. I mean, that, that pretty much wraps up the story of, uh, Robert Picton. Um, yeah, like I said, was... if you want to know more, the Wikipedia article is pretty good, and there's also quite a few other things that were written about him and his crimes. Um, so if you really want to know more and you want to dig into more of the trial side of it, um, feel free to go and to go and look if you really want to know a little bit more about Robert Picton. Yeah, there's there's tons of information just on the on the trial itself. Um, yeah. we, we, we're not really going to hit on that cause it's not as interesting, I guess. Um, it's, not, it's not mainly really. just a bunch of law back and forth of people arguing whether he was completely convicted of all of these or not, you know, um, that's pretty much what it boils down to. Yeah. It's just a bunch of political back and forth. Um, but he is still alive. Uh, he is yep. rotting in prison right now. Um, his criminal penalty was life in prison, so he's he didn't get the death penalty. Um, and as of what today, he is seventy one years old. Yeah, seventy one years old as of right now. So, well, that about wraps up this episode of Serial Saturday. Uh, be sure to check out our normal episodes every Wednesday. We'll see you guys next Wednesday for just another. Another one of our normal episodes where we can catch you up on the funniest news and weird stories we can find. Uh, next week, we are definitely going to talk about, uh, if you really want to join us, the uh, Masturbating Bandit. <laughs> that's not and on Serial Saturday. We should probably make that. <laughs> that's not on Serial Saturday. That's our normal episodes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then also, uh, we were going to discuss the uh, weirdest things we've ever seen. So be sure yeah. to join us on next Wednesday. We, for that. Uh, we also have, uh, we're about to have merch finally. Yep. Uh, we talked about that a long time ago, then never came of it. But uh, we've got a design that's almost finished. Uh, we've got a new logo. Um, mm -hmm. So we're going to be slapping that on stuff. Um, <laughs> I've got, we got ideas for stickers. It's, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun stuff. Uh, well, we'll see you guys uh, later on in the week. I'm out of here. Bye. Bye.